Welcome to the Best of Seven presented by The Big Lead. I'm Kyle Coster. I'm here with Stephen Douglas. We're talking succession, ranking the seven most powerful figures, entities, themes, whatever, of the episode in the attempt to determine who is most likely to succeed. And the eighth episode of season three, titled Shantyshire, took us to the Italian pastoral landscape. It took us on a tour of glitz and glamour. It took us on a tour of complicated family dynamics. A lot of stocks went down this week. I would say this is a pretty dour episode for most of the people who have been routinely in our top seven. A few people capitalized on the chaos to get ahead. Number one, I think where we start with this is how concerned are we about Kendall? Um, I'm I'm not that concerned about Kendall. Uh, you know, I he's got a fire spirit, and I just think he's gonna he's gonna get through whatever adversity faces him without any issues. It did seem at the end like he might die. You know, that's the kind of uh, light light comedy fair we're dealing with here. I think if they were actually going to kill him, they would have just had him uh, die at the end of the episode. You can't really have a cliffhanger where it's like, I I don't know if we can do that in television anymore if you're not binging something. I don't know if a week-to-week series can kind of leave it off on uh, that kind of of ending. What did you think? Yeah, that was my read on it as well. Just the machinations of how that would happen. He does... He does have the lucidity and the capacity to respond to his child as he, mm-hmm. as they are walking away, his children as they walk away. And I don't think that you just suddenly pass out and drowned in water. Is that foreshadowing for a looming death to come? I think probably like, let's get right into it. Number seven is Kendall and we could spend an hour on him. His thing, he shows up to the event. He has his mother choose her estranged ex-husband over him, essentially asks him to leave the party. He tries to get involved with the Gojo dynamics, but is an ancillary figure who doesn't have anything to do with what's going on. He gets up the courage and the gumption to ask his father to a one-on-one dinner, and it's tense. He basically says, you know what? I will take that deal that you offered me on the night of my 40th birthday party. I want $2 billion. I will be out. I will get out of your life. He's cornered. He sees that he's a failure. He understands that there's no happy side for him. He might as well collect his money. It's a tense scene. Logan has Iverson taste the Italian <laughs> pasta to make sure it wasn't poisoned. And really, the, the subtext of the Shakespeareanness of this all is really really obvious it's it's more like text when you talk about Macbeth and you talk about anything that has kind of a fail son a lot of death in Shakespeare I thought that the way that it was set up in Italy too all those pieces connect his father basically tells him to screw off and gets as personal about the tragic death in the UK as he ever has 
breaks him even further. And Kendall is just a shell of himself. He has no way going forward. There's no deal on the table. So I guess through that lens, I'm open to the idea that Jeremy Strong's run is going to end on succession, maybe not in that pool, but very near in the future in a different way, because what exactly is there left to do for Kendall? All his scheming to get Shiv on the side, that was kind of like his one life raft. She seems to be taking a totally different angle within the company now. So I just don't really understand what even the purpose of Kendall would be for the show going forward. So through that lens, I think that this is a man that's a dead man walking. Yeah. I don't know where he can go from here. Uh, he, he tried to get out. He, he said, all right, I'll take the $2 billion. I'll leave. Um, and his father was like, well, no, I want to keep punishing you just because, and it, it was really the, uh, personification of what his uh, mother said earlier in the episode or maybe later I think it was after where she's like talking to Shim she's like well we should have just had dogs but I couldn't have dogs because Logan would have just kicked them <laughs> you know that's like so instead we had people and had him I mean pretty much do just as bad things just the the big showdown you know where he's like he confronts his father you know tries to at least get some kind of closure and get out. And he just, he will never be able to get out from under his father's thumb. It's, it's, it's sad, sad, you know, but also it's hilarious because the, the King stuff where Logan actually did have Iverson come and test the mozzarella, just the, his having his grandson, maybe, I mean, in, in his mind, he's maybe having his grandson eat poison, which is, the show is so dark that it's sad. But also, you know, Iverson. Ever heard that name for a kid? You think you think Kendall is a big Allen Iverson fan? You know, that's really funny. I actually do think that he sees himself as an Iverson type. He's small. I think he, in his mind, he's pound for pound tougher than everybody else, but he's absolutely not. He's very weak. I think that that's a name that's not done on accident. Um, I think that that's probably written in to, to reflect a little bit of his personality, much like every touch at the 40th birthday party last week suggested that this is a man who has an idea of art, but maybe not his place in the larger artistic world. You saw at the beginning, he shows up with the shaved head. And one thing I noticed about this episode is all the actors looked a little bit different. They looked a little bit heavier. The hair was different. There was obviously a layoff before these scenes were shot. And I thought that it really worked for Kendall because I love the shaved head look with his hairline. It looks pretty good. I actually think it looks the best of his options, but it does really seem to be that he is kind of like entering this new phase of his life. He said he wants to just strip it down, start from nothing. This is a man who really has nowhere else to go. And he's looking for the most easy win in the world. The easiest win in the world to him is like shaving his head. And he's like, you know what? That's a new start for me because he can't build a new way forward for himself. Really rough when you really consider that the audience knows just how deep and dark things are for Kendall to see everybody in that family 
justifiably so in a lot of ways, but be so indifferent to kind of like the impending tragedy is painful to watch because at a certain point it is just money. And I know that's the point of the show, but you would think that there'd be some sort of humanity shown like, well, the things could get even worse uh, for Kendall here. So I think through that lens, it's really excruciating to see his efforts at re- reconciliation, whether they should be accepted or not, spun forward as something that's just more hurtful to him. You mentioned that uh, everybody looked different this episode, and it's mainly because for, for one of the few times, every single person was in casual wear, which is like seeing a penguin in a bathing suit or something. It just it looks very strange. You know, everybody's got like polos on and shorts and and a lot of hats. There were so many hats in this episode. Um, great episode for hats. Just just a good fashion episode. You know, get get these guys on vacation, get them out of their suits. Number six on the list is Jerry. Now, I'm not so sure why she was invited to the wedding. That didn't make a lot of sense to me. I mean, I know that they had an episode to put together, but why is the ex-husband's business partner extended an invitation to Peter Onion's affair? I know that he wants everybody there. He wants all the important things there, all the important people there. That was said. Jerry's, you know, okay, so I here's where I want to start with Jerry. When she gets out of the car, she is the only person that is pleasant to the help. She introduces herself. She's kind. She is there with her romantic interest who Roman predictably tries to bed or claims he's going to bed. It's super awkward. She asks nicely to not receive the items. And we are to learn that the items are (laughs) the dick pics. Look it up, dad. People send dick pics. It is a request that is not fulfilled and it is not fulfilled at the exact wrong time as Roman sends his package to his father. Those of you who have not been there, let me tell you, it's a tough follow-up text (laughs) to send, even if it is not as explicit. I think that we've all sent the wrong text to the wrong person, maybe not with the stakes being what they are. This is going to cause dramatic fallout from Jerry. It already has. Shiv hops on the idea of, look, we need to use this opportunity as a means to an end to get Roman out of this powerful position. She is a pawn. She knows she's a pawn. Logan wants her gone because he lives in 1940. (laughs) You don't have to be a radical feminist like Roman is not to see the folly of that way and basically how that could have really bad unintended consequences for Waystar in the long term. But I think that she is in real trouble here through no fault or no wrongdoing of her own. There's just so much going on there. Um, Like the entire episode, I was just going through, like I'm writing down like one liners and stuff like that, taking my notes and you get to the Kendall and Logan uh, dinner and like, Oh man, this, you know, this is the big scene, the big scene. Everybody's going to be talking about this. And then like five minutes later, Roman hits send on that text. And, and I, I feel like I couldn't like breathe for like the next 10 minutes. Just like, <gasps> just so, so horrified and yet delighted at, at knowing all the awkward interactions that were going to come. I mean, we, I've, I've never saw something like that. And 
I, I don't even know how to talk. Well, here's the thing is like, he's so slimy and he is yeah. so spineless to he's see him writhe around like a snake or whatever. His reaction to doing it and realizing it shot beautifully, like the focus on Jerry's phone that doesn't buzz is unbelievable. Like, yeah, I mean, I think that that was one of those moments where like time slows down. Like when you're in a car accident or it's the pivotal moment of a sports game and you kind of seem, you see everything in slow motion. It was like, oh, I'm aware of everything that's going on because I am hypersensitized to the largeness of this moment. And, you know, I'm just trying to think of this through the perspective of, of Jerry. Like, <laughs> yes, she is probably wrong for courting the attention as it was for Roman for this long. I mean, I don't, I don't know if wrong is the correct word. She was playing a risky game and playing with fire, but I guess it's almost like Logan's reaction and going so forceful about it seemed to me to be a slight overreaction, or it shows that he really believes that Roman is so conniving that he would team up in concert with Jerry to push him out of the top spot. That's the only reason he's reacting with such fervor. Yeah, that's, that's probably what's going on. Plus, you know, he just saw his, uh, his son's penis. Um, but yeah, back, back to the moment where it happened. Like we've, we've all been there, you know, when you've got multiple texts coming in and I've not, I, I've done that before where I've sent like the wrong thing to the wrong person, just like the wrong message. But and it's never been anything bad, but even so, you're like, oh, my God, what did I just say? And to who? Like, answered yes or no to the wrong person at the wrong time. But just, like, the, the horror of, like, having been in that situation where you send the wrong – and you're like, technology has failed me. Why do we have technology at all if this is what will happen? But, yeah, and Jerry just – she was immediately – Forget forget about Jerry. Just just the way Logan reacted. He's just like, I need five. And like, I'm gonna go. All right. And then he immediately takes his children aside one at a time, and Shiv just like, well, you know, Jerry. She she's like, oh, she's probably doing it for leverage. You know, Shiv actually had a reason for it. And then to bring in Roman and ask him if he's a sicko and all that stuff. Just so so funny. Just watching Kieran Culkin just squirm, and when he does it professionally it, it was just such a perfect scene every bit every or a couple of different scenes spliced together but yeah I, I was like like having trouble breathing for like minutes at a time just paralyzed it literally took your breath away and I, you weren't alone let's stick with roman who is at number five obviously there's the matter of the penis to get to <laughs> <laughs> recovered at length, no pun intended there, but also in concert with that, he takes a beautiful trip to Switzerland yeah. to run into Lucas Matson of Gojo and try to smooth things over has a weird meeting. Uh, kind of seems that he realizes that this guy is, uh, you know, kind of a head in the clouds type person that is just doesn't communicate on any type of like, human level. And I think that he kind of like at one respects it. And at number two, like has no idea how he's going to navigate it in his mind. 
as Matson wants to be seen as an equal, he doesn't want to be acquired. He filters it through his own lens that his dad is not going to go for it at all because his dad has never gone for something like that. And maybe he is a bit jealous of like, yo, you can't just ask for that. Like I can't just ask to be treated as an equal in my own situation with my father. And therefore he's really surprised when that's not a literal deal breaker and Logan wants to move forward with it. So it seemed like we were dangerously close to Roman being in ruins through the text, but also the last ditch deal that he Dwight shrewded up. And that does seem like it's alive, whether that has anything to do with Roman or maybe that's through a shift seemed kind of into it. Everybody at the table, Jerry kind of pushed for it. Like they realize how dire the situation is and that maybe this guy, if he's not a shithead, as Logan really wants to know, is the only life raft that they have. And once he's on board, I wonder what the importance of Roman is going to be. I think that Roman thought that this was going to be, hey, I'm going to go save the company. And maybe he will. But once the company's saved, is it really necessary for there to be a firewall and a mediator between the two parties? I know that's what he wants to do, but it doesn't really seem as though that will be anything that's of much importance because his dad is just going to run things the way he wants to. He's already talking about Madsen kind of being a name out in front and Gojo being a name out in front in name only and just having it be business as usual. Yeah, I think Roman had a couple of strong episodes in a row from uh, from the Waystar uh, perspective. He, you know, he picked the next president, you know, he set up the Gojo thing. He, he saved the Gojo thing, even though at the, at the meeting, uh, it seemed like it was falling apart, but he found, he found a way to present it to his father that uh, actually saved it, which was another one of those things that succession does where it's like, wait, what happened? Uh, They just, oh, okay. And it's kind of that, uh, that entourage thing where it's like, oh, nothing's working out. Uh, movie's back on. And there's, I, I, I was thinking about that a lot last night. Um, wondering if, I mean, if, is that all that all shows are is just things working out and then falling apart and then working out. And it's just entourage was the most ridiculous one to do it. And they just got called on it the best with that college humor video. But yeah, uh, we should have seen Roman getting ready to mess up because things were going so well for him. And, you know, that's when uh, Chekhov's dick pic went off. <laughs> Writing that one down, that's not bad. Number four, we have the combination of Connor and Willa, who she's thinking it <laughs> over in terms of this whole engagement thing. She was so close to getting out, but like the Godfather, they keep pulling her back <laughs> in. She is proposed to in public, wants to say no, can't say no. Very awkward. The stupid way that he phrased the proposal while he was down on his knees, I feel is like just one of those things that's so perfect. Like Connor has some moments where you like him, but you're like, oh, this guy's a loser. And <laughs> he is doing this not for purity reasons. He's doing it because people are poking around about her background and he doesn't want that out. Maybe the same person who's poking around for that podcast idea on Kendall, they could be connected. 
but it really seems like Willa was so close. We've seen like kind of be warm to him and maybe she's warming mm-hmm. to him because he is, has a passion project. That's not her and is putting his focus elsewhere. And she's kind of attracted to that and getting to have more independence. She seems so close to the idea of, look, I'm going to be able to live my own life in New York city. And then the bomb comes off with, you know what, actually I'm being proposed to right now. And all these people are watching. I have to figure out a diplomatic way to get out of this. Have you ever seen a proposal where the person said no, because it is delightfully awful and you just want to flee the premises whenever it goes down. It happened to me at a minor league baseball game. Good reason to never do it at a minor league baseball game, but I didn't think of anything else for the next three innings. The next day at (laughs) breakfast, Connor has the temerity to ask, uh, any decision on that uh, thing you were pondering over? I think that Will is perfectly content to kick the can down the road. And I think it's potential we get through the season finale here and she hasn't given him a straight answer. Yeah, I, I don't know if I've ever seen a proposal besides mine in person. Uh, maybe it's because I don't go into enough uh, minor league sporting events. But yeah, uh, just... The so much wrong with it. Uh, the proposal at a wedding, uh, usually frowned upon. Uh, yeah, um, I didn't think of that. Yes, it is frowned upon. Yes. Um, also, you've got the proposal kind of under duress, where I don't, I don't know why marrying Willa would make people stop wondering where she came from and figure out that she used to be an escort. You know, and then she's she's on the spot, the public proposal. And it does, it was right after we saw her be so nice to him and seem like she had real affection for him. And now all of a sudden, you know, maybe you put that title on it, you put that ring, put a ring on it, and it just becomes a lot more real and permanent for her. And so she's she's got a lot to ponder. But this was, this is a great episode about love. I feel like, you know, the complexities of it, you know, you've got uh, Don Oliver, whoever the hell's marrying the mom. Um, and then cousin Greg learning about the relationship ladder and just one of the top, ep- one of the top things, one of the fun things was seeing uh, Shiv and Tom gang up to kind of give Greg shit, which was, it was nice to see them on the same side. Because you see that, you know, they're both kind of funny. And Greg got a little kiss from uh, our, our girl Comfy or Comfrey with the, with the greatest name in television history. And then he's like, well, well, maybe I can date a duchess. And then Roman's immediately there's shit on it at each turn. So great episode for love all around. Uh, what was your favorite uh, pairing? Uh, Roman and Jerry, obviously. Oh, yes. Still my favorite. I actually think that I think that's the most interesting relationship on the show. Like she was kind of into it. Like that text was flirty. Like, I don't think it's revisionist history to say that it was like it. There's a reason she's sending that text. She still likes the attention. Like she liked that Roman was messing with the guy she was there with. Uh, But no, when in terms of like Connor and Willa, I don't I don't understand the thought process. I just don't think that Connor's very imaginative. Um, I think in his mind, he thinks, well, a candidate needs to be married. Otherwise it's a liability. So I think that he's just checking a box. I think that, I don't think that there's anything 
in particular about Willa that he likes outside of like the physical. It's just, that's, you know, that's his best option at this point. There, there, there's no date ladder for Connor because Connor also comes with this inextricably dull and, and kind of like doofish personality. Uh, yeah, Greg, I don't, I don't know. I I'm worried that we're going to get an episode where Greg learns about the game or negging, uh, and then we're never going to like him again. (laughs) I do have some concerns there. Number three, Lucas Matson played beautifully by the unabashedly Swedish Alexander Skarsgård. He is, you know, he's feeling lucky and he's headed to Macaw. He's doing the drugs in the right combination sometimes, but not in the right combination the next. He's sleeping on the floor because he can't find the world's best mattress. He <laughs> is asking for things and essentially getting the best deal possible. His stock price is up. He's kind of like this. There are some signs that he's on the spectrum at some point. Like he could be just another douchey tech finance bro, like everybody else, you know, a Josh Aronson uh, a type, but they didn't write him like that. They wrote him as something different. And it's far more interesting because he is, if not, if nothing else, he's a real wild card out there. I think that he is in tremendous position to get an insane windfall. He is going to be the one person. It seems like that Logan's going to like open up the kimono for and be like, look, uh, here's everything that I am. Here is all this power. You can have half of it. And it's someone who's not in his family. And I really think he's doing that solely because he's playing the game differently. And what the showrunners are trying to show us is that the world has evolved and people like this exist and they exist in the highest levels of power. Like, you know, think of another eccentric billionaire who tweets out weird stuff uh, from time to time, maybe has hosted Saturday Night Live. Like it's a very believable character. And I think they're showing that's the new way of the world. So even with those warts, those imperfections, those oddities, they are in financial power to wield it over the old guard, like the Waystar Roikos, who understand that failing some drastic new business rejuvenation, they're going to die on the vine. Yeah, he's like a nihilist uh, Elon Musk. And it's just amazing... He's such a wonderful character, uh, even though he's kind of unnecessary uh, because the, the the Roy children are the Roy family is just so good and so rich and have so many different interactions between them. But, you know, it is nice to ha- stick in one of these guest stars. And I'd, I'd like to propose that we stop calling him Lucas Matson. I think he should be Mikas because he just seems like uh, Mikas from... His, his character in Zoolander kind of took a programming class and you know, maybe got into some uh, black, black metal or something and just got really depressed. And it's, I, I think that's a, that's more fitting for him. Just he's, he's a weird guy and he, I don't know. I, I, I do look forward to seeing he and Logan in a room together just to see and have him try and, find out Logan's weaknesses just just so he can fail at something with him just that was another thing that one of the one of the notes I took he had some incredible quotes um here you talk for a second I I just lost them well I think the thing (laughs) what you're referring to is he 
is only interested in failure right yes. now because success bores him. And to that, I say, you know what? I love to get high too. Like that makes a lot of sense. Uh, no, I wouldn't be that successful. It's kind of like, okay, well, what is the other side of it? It's so cocky in a way that he doesn't realize that he's being cocky. Like he just doesn't have that filter. He doesn't have any interest in connecting with other human beings and he doesn't pretend that he does. No, he has theories about the world. I would love for him to like have a WordPress or a podcast or a daily column someplace, dot and dash, Larry King style. I think that that would be wonderful. But I just loved, I would like, at this point, I'd love a Lucas Matson spinoff. I'm dead serious. Like, I kind of want to see this guy as like the deranged version of Axe from Billions, uh, you know, who is uh, a, a paint outside the numbers type of cerebral weirdo. I'd be really interested in this. I think that he is, you know, he's so good in small doses. That's what makes this guest star appearance so good. He doesn't even really need to be on the screen because you know what type of vibe and presence he has. So when the conversation is about him, you're bringing all that baggage of, oh, giant weirdo who has a lot of power to the conversation. And it really fills it out and makes it feel more exciting. Yeah. You mentioned him having a, his own show. I think um, I, I recently started watching no reservations. I think uh, a travel show with our boy Mikas Smatson would be pretty great where he just goes around and instead of like enjoying culture and everything, he like goes and see them, sees the most miserable people and just wallows in their unhappiness with them. <laughs> but, but the quote I found is uh, success doesn't really interest me anymore. It's too easy. And then he's like, God, oh, it's capital times success times whatever. It's like anyone can do that. Like, yeah, yep. It's that simple. I'm just going to apply that to my life or I'm just going to start saying, Whenever I fail at something, I'm just well, success doesn't interest me anymore. No, it's a great cop out. And yeah, I mean, the what a what a way to distill a person's mind down to that they've come up with a mathematical equation for success, that there's no humanness to it. Like you just plug in this and you get that. That makes a lot of sense. Brilliant writing, yet again from succession. Number two, we're getting down to business here. I don't think that they're leaving. I think that the season will resolve in the Italian countryside. I don't think they'll Ooh. be getting on planes to head back. I think they're there for the duration. The wedding hasn't even happened yet. We got to get to the actual wed wedding. We got to see what Peter <laughs> Onion wears. If he came out wearing that hat in the beginning, a lot of layers for that one. You keep peeling. You never know what you're going to find. Number two is Logan. He... <laughs> Tells Kendall what he really thinks, plays the ultimate move, the ultimate screw you. He realizes that Roman has potential, but is a slime ball and like honestly a sicko. And I think that like, I think that Roman's sickness does disgust him on some level in a way his other kids traits don't like, I think that Roman's sickness makes him grosser to Logan than Kendall's drug use. You know what I mean? Like, I do think that it hits particularly hard for him. He is retrograde and a lot of his thinking can't wrap his mind around it, but he is in a position of power. He's willing to make a deal with Matson, and he believes that he is shrewd enough to get the upper hand on that, or if not the upper hand, figure out a way that's going to lift all boats 
financially. He's asserted power again. I think that once that text came into his phone, he snapped into scramble mode being like, look, I'm the ultimate arbiter here. I need to figure out what the hell is going on. And I'm going to make that decision. And he wanted to act decisively by getting rid of Jerry, which would have been wrong. But make no mistake, this is his ship to steer down the stretch the rest of this season. Like Shiv got a lifeline and Mm -hmm. got back in to the game, as it were. But she's so far behind. This is Logan's deal. It's his show. The DOJ stuff seems long in the past. I was expecting that to come back up. It's not. He's free and clear of that. And he's in a really powerful situation where he's going to be able to make anything he want to happen, happen. Yeah, just Logan uh, throwing his weight around, just being the ultimate version of Logan Roy, uh, manipulating people and making his children miserable. And, you know, and maybe the ultimate power play was basically taking credit, like, yeah, I've heard of a dick pic. I think we invented that word, that term. Just, yeah, uh, just a, a tour de force from Logan. Um, you know, we already talked about how he turned his grandson into a poison tester. Um, what more What more can you say about the man? He Logan Roy is a legend for a reason. I did think with the layoff and everybody looking a bit different, I did think that he looked a little older. Um, everybody did. He didn't seem to have the same physical prowess. The imposingness has gone down a little bit from season one and been exacerbated by the pandemic. That's not a critique. That's certainly Brian Cox is more man than I am, even at 82 (laughs) years old, but it is, he does seem finally to me to be showing some signs of aging And it's kind of cool to watch him power through it. And I'm looking forward to that new era because I think that he's going to be fantastic no matter, you know, no matter what comes his way, both in the writing, both in the real world. The challenges of making this show are extremely obvious. Um, Reacting to some sort of tragedy, which could happen to Kendall, like, we don't want that to happen, but I'm very curious to see. I know that the scene where Logan is processing it is going to be as powerful or would be as powerful as anything that's been in the series. And it's almost like you start reaching these apex moments of the the season. And these are when, you know, it's just like sports. This is crunch time. This is winning time. And when you have a legend like Logan Roy out there, this is when he really shines. No longer is he kind of in the background of these meetings, or in one case earlier, a few episodes with a UTI and out of conversation altogether. He's ready to go. He's ready to call the plays on this two minute drill. And I would not bet against him pulling out another victory because it's all he's done his entire life. But you mentioned him being in the background of these meetings. So he literally was in at that whatever that first vote was for in the episode where he was standing outside the glass walls. And they're like, just let the record show that he is watching us. He's so funny. And Logan was one of those people where, like, why, why is he invited to the wedding at all? I mean, obviously, it's because he's Logan Roy. But then you've got 
uh, Jerry and, and why was Greg invited to the wedding? It's just because these people have to be there. They're part of the show. Um, so guest lists are out the window. But he's, he's so powerful that um, Peter Onion wants, wants some help with uh, talking, talking to British politicians for him. Uh, just, yeah, uh, you wonder if it's going to be like last season where he's so high right now that he's going to be the one to kind of have that last minute fall like he did last season uh, with Kendall and Greg surprising him. Um, since that's kind of that seems like the pattern people go it's a real ro roller coaster and he Logan's up right now so maybe he's going to be the one to go down in the next couple episodes but you never know i mean it's it's a very good show so they might they probably won't just keep going that exact same pattern agree i i, I trust them to handle it beautifully now number 1 before I announce the real number one, I want to say I kind of lobbied pretty hard for Peter Onion to get this because, I mean, everybody came to his party. He seems <laughs> undeterred by it all. Like, whatever he's doing with the Roy's mom, who seems like a tough hang, she loves it. She can't get enough of it. Like, this kind of seems like someone who failed his way to success. I don't know what his secret is, but I don't think anything terribly – bad is going to befall him like what his wedding's ruined he doesn't care like all the people are there i thought it was a great episode for peter onion uh but sadly alas he cannot be the real number one and this was a bit of a discussion between you and i but we landed on shiv at number one and i think i'll open it up by just kind of saying like you make the case for me make the case again to me why shiv is number one in these rankings I think Shiv got a real uh, kick, in, kick in the ass this episode, and she just decided, you know, I'm, I mean, she tells you, she's like, I'm, I'm smarter than these guys. I'm better than them. This is, I can do this. So I see an opportunity. And then I think that was even before Roman did what he did, you know, and then that was just fulfilling, fulfilling right there. She's like, I'm taking charge of this company i'm gonna take charge of my my life and have kids you know despite my mother which is the best reason to have children um she showed the power dynamic to tom again like by doing the uh the the very not nice pillow talk of yeah, i don't love you but you love me um and then the morning after the beautiful conversation of freezing embryos and um, let's see what we have here. She, spicy pillow talk. Uh, it's different if one of us dies or is in a long-term coma, you know, such romance. And she's like, oh, well, I'll only be there 10 years. And Tom's like, that's, that's two and a half Olympics, which is a great way to look at a decade. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, I, I think Shiv is definitely in the driver's seat because I mean, yeah, Logan's the top, but as for the family, this is still about succession. Somebody needs to succeed. So right now, Kendall, you know, he's face down in a pool. Roman uh, sending dick pics to his father. Uh, Connor is uh, proposing to escorts at his mother's wedding. Um, you know, Shiv kind of has it all together right now compared to all those guys. 
So I think that, you know, this is just, it's, she's got the ball right now. She's running towards the end zone. Incredible scene with her mother at the bachelorette party. The, there, I mean, you want a microcosm of that relationship, how acidic, how raw it can be, but how that's kind of how both of them operate. Like I was uncomfortable yeah. with that familial, familial conversation, but it was really instructive. The line about why Logan couldn't have a dog because he loves to kick thing, kick things he loved to see if they come back. Like that's an obvious one-to-one connection with Shiv. <laughs> you see it with Tom. All she does is kick Tom to see if he'll come back that pillow talk. Like you said, I laughed out loud at the spicy line. I love the way he phrases things. He's unbelievable uh, in his word choice, but no, I mean, I, I don't know. Like, I, I guess I've always imagined that like that's been the relationship from square one with Shiv and Tom. And my theory is that Tom was a little too naive to gra- fully grasp it. And I guess we've seen throughout the series that he's slowly understanding that, oh, she's for real with all this stuff. Like she's, this isn't like a game to her. Like she's not a good person. And I think that he, as a wide-eyed optimist, uh, as a cockeyed wide-eyed optimist, like Billy Mumphrey from Seinfeld, he went in thinking that, look, this is good. This is going to be great for me. And he didn't appreciate that he was stepping into a hornet's nest of someone who's going to be just like her mother. Now, the really sad and like honestly i can tell you like it affected me as as a dad and as someone who like knows people who are trying to have kids who haven't had kids before the way in which she formats having children and the reasons for doing so and how she got so far deep into like the contract clause for the embryos but didn't consider about like oh the well we're going to bring a human being into this world like you know, what about them? You know, like, why are we doing this? Like, she knows she's doing it for the wrong reasons. She doesn't care. Really tough. Obviously, I think that we're both on the same page. It's not going to happen, right? Like, they're not going to have a kid together. What is that? Is that where you're out of them that too? Like, that would that would be the biggest shock of all. Uh, there, there's a lot there. Like, just to, to Tom's uh, sensitive Midwestern sensibilities, um, I don't know how he processes the idea of, you know, having a baby that is not the is not the product of a mommy and daddy making love together. It's like, no, we're going to we're going to take some embryos and put, have a test tube. And, you know, I'm going to have a surrogate and, you know, the baby's going to show up once it's uh, potty trained. And then then we can uh, send it off with the nannies. You know, Tom, he, he reminds me of a. Uh, Marshall from How I Met Your Mother is something I've been toying with a lot lately. You know, they're both from Minnesota. They're both very tall. Um, they both went to the big city and fell in love with uh, redheads. So we'll we'll see uh, how Tom does. But you know, he's. I think he's understanding now that he he thought maybe he could turn his relationship with Shiv into something bigger for him. And he did, you know, he's, he's got a nice job right now, but maybe for a second there, he really did think he could uh, be in charge, but now he has to deal with the fact, you know, that now that that's Shiv's thing. I think of the Roy children, we'll just end it like this. Connor 
is a non-entity. Kendall is the smartest, I believe, uh, business-wise as his father. He obviously, his personal demons are going to prevent him from, his personal demons are going to prevent him from succeeding and becoming the new Logan. Roman is the most shrewd and conniving and F you, I don't care. Uh, I'm going to do it, which is one part of the father. But Shiv is really just the whole package of having the acumen, the people skills, being able to see long-term what it looks like. And she approaches it. I think that she exemplifies best all that makes Logan, Logan. Uh, Maybe she's not a 99 in all categories, but if you look at like her power attributes, I think she's the best all around player uh, in house when it comes to the Roy's. So I really think we started this season saying it's Shiv. If it's going to be someone from the family, it's got to be Shiv. There's been a few detours around the, along the way, but I really think as we head into the finale here, if pressed, I would say it's got to be Shiv. If it's someone from the Roy clan. Oh yeah, and we didn't even talk about the beginning of the episode where she kind of took a uh, she took a me day and just stayed home for the vault. <laughs> she was in her pajamas, watching. Uh, I think she was watching like a cooking show. Maybe maybe that's where Connor or Lucas Matson will end up. Absolutely incredible. All right, well we're gonna stop doing this right now. I'm gonna ask you to go ahead and write that "How I Met Your Mother" Tom Wamsgam post because that's actually pretty good. Our rankings, again, in reverse order, were Kendall 7, Jerry 6, Roman 5, Connor slash Willa 4, Lucas Matson 3, Logan 2, Shiv Roy number 1. Those are the most likely to succeed. I'm Kyle Coster. That was Stephen Douglas. Keep reading thebiglead.com. We're ranking football games tomorrow. My show is the Kyle Coster Show. Stephen, what do you got to promote? Uh, I work for a website called thebiglead.com. Uh, you can check out all my writing there. I, I have a Twitter account that hasn't gained a follower in almost a decade. So check that out. That's Steven underscore Douglas. Um, you know, and I, I, I bring all the dankest memes, just like uh, a Lucas Matson type. The power of the tweet, as Tom would say. <laughs>